I, I do want to see people take bold steps, it, whether it's evangelism, whether it's starting a business, whether it's seeking reconciliation. Yeah, like re- reorienting your priorities, you know, like really not not in the name of fear. Welcome to the Christian Emergency Podcast, a podcast for Christians spooked by the growing hostility in the culture today. We will tackle a range of topics from current events, persecution, missions, and what it means to be the church. You will gain valuable insights from those experienced working with persecuted Christians around the world, insights we all need to chew on in these strange days. Together, may we help the church stand. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Christian Emergency Podcast. I'm Andy, your host, and today I am joined by Troy Albee, and we are going to be talking about tent-making Christians and their role in developing a more resilient Christendom. Um, and if you don't know what tent-making Christians are or that, that concept, don't don't worry, hang tight, we'll, uh, we'll fill that all in for you. But just to get us started, Troy, welcome to the show. Thanks. Appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. Well, um, let's let's learn a little bit more about Troy. Can you tell us about yourself, your ministry, and what you're doing? Absolutely. Glad to do so. Yeah, so uh, for those who do, uh, know a little bit about New England, my family, uh, we are based outside of Boston. Really, probably better to say Plymouth County. We're closer to Plymouth than we are Fenway or anything downtown Boston. Yeah, long story short, I ended up here. I'm actually not from uh, New England. Don't have any ties here except for... You know, if you go back many, many generations and great grandfathers, but uh, I grew up in the South in the Carolinas and uh, my wife grew up in the Midwest, but we both love the church, love, uh, we were both raised in uh, homes that prioritized Christ and the local church and yeah, and 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 thinking about missions. So uh, we're based outside, like I said, of Boston and I'm pastor of a church called Grace Presbyterian. It's a church that we planted a little over 12, 13 years ago. We moved up here. Uh, it was more or less a, a, a plant from just a handful of families, kind of from the ground up. And uh, yeah, we have four children. I jokingly say three of them are for sale. <laughs> <laughs> we got three teenagers, and uh, we we are we are deeply blessed to uh, to be where we are and what God's called us to. And we you know we're grateful for yeah we're grateful for our, our local church. And uh, you know we're going to get into this, but I also. Uh, kind of all along the way, in, in many regards, but more formidably, in the last nine years, I did start a business uh, working on the side. Uh, you know, some would refer to as a side hustle or a side venture business, and uh, and that's you know that's part of you know that's part of my story living here in New England. So, I love a lot of different directions I could go, but that's uh, a little bit of a nutshell. My wife's name is Krista. She's definitely involved in our church, has been from the beginning with hospitality and music and support and discipling and caring for people and uh yeah well that's that is a great intro for us and uh yeah so now we have a an idea of where you're ministering and what you're up to um and if you're outside of boston and new england i'm guessing that's not a cheap area it's i'm guessing pretty expensive yeah yeah it is it's a very expensive place to live and uh yeah it's a it's a very different landscape than where we came from you know spiritually uh, if you were to come to New England, you would see plenty of Roman Catholic churches because there are a lot of uh, Italians and Irish folks that, you know, settled here over the years. And that's been a big dominant theme. Of course, they've had their own challenges and implosions and 
There's a lot of people that are skeptical toward the church up here. Uh, but a lot of folks are just, you know, garden variety, maybe nominally Catholic, maybe liberal Unitarian, maybe uh, liberal UCC. But a lot of folks are just, you know, are not not really, they don't see the supremacy or the relevancy of Jesus to everyday life. I, we ended up here because of, you know, really wanting to be in an area that was underserved by gospel witness. I had served previously, and uh, I'm the denomination I'm a part of, the PCA, I was part of a, a two pre- previous calls were in larger churches in the South. And one of those in Greenville, South Carolina, I was uh, heading up missions and outreach in a local church there. And we, you know, my wife and I have a big heart for missions. We, her parents, uh, when we were married, were at a, um, were serving with Mission to the World in the Czech Republic. Uh, I was, you know, functioning in kind of a lead role and trying to mobilize and encourage missions and missionaries. We actually met, my wife and I met at a missions conference and that was in 2002 uh, down in Atlanta. And I saw this this cute girl who loved, clearly it must love Jesus and missions. She was at this conference and we hit it off. And I even met in the early days, talked about church planting. And we, anytime we, we would go somewhere, we would pray about, hey God, is this where you might call us? You know, is this the culture? Are these the people? Or is this where you would have us, you know, serve the kingdom? And then it just became clear, no, I think it's actually stateside, and it would be somewhere where there was a need for church planting. So New England, we uh, came up and were part of a, a newly formed church planting network, and we've been you know, laboring here for, like I said, about 12, 13 years. Well, that's that's wonderful, and that's right down the middle of the heart for a lot of our listeners. I'm sure we care about missions and proclaiming the gospel in areas where that's that's more rare. And I think this is also an important thing for us to to factor into our thinking is that we have intentional Christians going on mission in more difficult areas, in more sterile areas. Uh, you might, in the United States, call it more blue states, blue areas. And there, there have been conversations about uh, leaving those areas for, for obvious reasons, pressures on churches and limitations on people's freedoms and liberties. But I'm so grateful that uh, we have believers in those areas sharing the gospel, seeking the the souls and salvation of of men and women in those areas. And so you're doing this in New England, and to help you do this, to help you uh, provide for ministry, provide for your family, you're you you mentioned you have that that side hustle, and you're operating as a tent maker. Um, maybe some newer Christians or people haven't heard that term before. Can you just explain what a tent maker is and where that term derives from? Yeah, sure. It's probably best that I rewind ever so slightly and just mention that, you know, for us to arrive here, our presbytery, our the the church planning network we were part of, you know, only had, you know, limited funds. And for us to really truly relocate here meant that we would have to raise some support. And we had to raise quite a bit of support. And we were grateful because our church that we were coming from was both churches that we had history with you know, invested heavily financially to help us with this church plant and a variety of other individuals and churches largely throughout the Southeast were, you know, very instrumental in investing and seeing this take place. And we did in the early days see folks come to faith. God moved people to the area. And so although we are now a self-supporting church, you know, there were there were times that, you know, we had to rely upon both internal giving and some of the funds that we had raised. And I do want to make clear that our church is able to pay us a salary and for our insurance. And so really that that covers quite a bit. I think there was just seasons and times and turns where, you know, I could I could sense, hey, 
if I if I'd like for my wife to be able to stay home and homeschool our kids, which was part of our design and desire, at least for a, a season, and when their youngest years, you know, I, I if I'm going to pay for things like braces and you know other other things, like I, I need to I need to have some more some more income, and um, and I enjoy working with my hands, and so that's when I I came into this well at different points different businesses, but the one that I'm you know, leading up now back to your question about what is a, what is a tent maker? I mean, as we know, the apostle Paul sent on mission, uh, a, you know, a, a missionary to the, the ethne, to the, to the nations, to, to the Gentiles and was a powerhouse of a church planter. And part of at different times there, obviously it required both the generosity of various supporting churches, but he made very clear that he did not want to be too much of a burden on them. And, you know, you can read about this in in Luke's second half of his gospel, also known as the Acts of the Apostles, that he describes in chapter 18 that uh, Paul was a tent maker. And so uh, it was something that was, you know, it could be complimentary, it could be flexible, um, he could do it in a way that was functionally, practically uh, helpful for those that he was around. I mean, it was a need, a service, a, a, a product that people would obviously uh, need it, it wasn't like hey would you buy you know my 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 cookies or whatever like it was hey this is something that is functional for society and he had a skill so i think a lot of that had to do with he he wanting to have the freedom to not be bound uh in preaching the gospel and there are times of obviously when you have a whole system if you will of you know church ministry parachurch multi-layered ministry that People are investing in that ministry, but they're also also expecting services. By services, I mean like you know religious, spiritual right. uh, attention programs that you want for your church. Paul, I think, had a desire to see uh, the gospel go forth, and he, and he being an agent and an evangelist toward that end, I, I really feel like there was a distinct component of his desire to be a, a tent maker. I mean, even if he had had, you know, some, and he did probably have some large underwriters, if you will, some bigger investors, uh, uh, kingdom-minded, generous partners in ministry. And that's how we view it. We view, mm-hmm. we do view, and I do to this very day, my wife and I support missionaries and our church does. And and I, I would only want to encourage people to continue to be generous, especially given the prosperous nature of where we live. But having the freedom sometimes to not feel beholden to a particular you know, group or their intentions or desires to be freed up to be a church planting evangelist. It was good for Paul. That's a little bit fuller answer maybe than you wanted, but. No, that's good. That helps us to to process all this. And, and maybe you're listening to this conversation. You're saying, well, I'm, I'm not a pastor right now and, and I'm not a missionary. So I don't, I don't see how this really affects me and my thinking, but I would put a pin in that. Actually, let's just address it really briefly. I think that this is something, if you're looking at the world around you, it's becoming more and more difficult to be a Christian publicly in various different jobs. There's there's vulnerability there. there there's pressure to, to stay quiet and all of that. And for those that are, are vocal or very public in their witness, um, there are prices that, that can be paid. And I know from working with Christians under pressure in other parts of the world, their ability to work, their ability to put food on the table, to, to tie to their local fellowships can be targeted and that this is something as Christians we should be aware of. And I, I think it's good for us to be able to find side hustles or to, to be entrepreneurial in some sense 
but to be able to to do this to free ourselves up we're all in ministry each one of us and i think that this is a topic that's very important for christians to consider right now even if you if you're not feeling those pressures i'm describing in your own local setting give it time and let's learn from one another and how they've gone about doing this so i'd be curious troy what your thoughts would be on that and also if you could unpack your business and and how you came to to do it yeah i'd be glad to i think that for me there was just there were times that i in ministry but it's not just ministry you know everyone has different seasons of just you know need or you know you're you're trying to be a good steward i, I really think it, it i'm not trying to overemphasize this or super spiritualize it by saying you know we are truly managers of our time our talent our treasure and Kristen, my wife and I, we've always practiced, we we sought to practice good biblical stewardship with our money, whether that was, you know, obviously being generous and tithing, uh, but also to our local church, but also just trying to ask, you know, good questions like what what would be a good use of this? You know, like for me, you know, my skill set, you know, my relationships, my interactions, even in previous times, you know, I would look for opportunities. I, I don't watch a ton of television. So, you know, like, again, you have this extra time. If you're, if you're not just scrolling or, or entertaining yourself, there, there are things out there that you could discover that might be a way to, to make some money and, and also to have, other, to, to have other touch points with people. I mean, for me, the byproduct has been, one of the sweet byproducts has been relationships. And, uh, and because of this endeavor, people outside the church. And so for me, the way that this kind of originated, I'd always had like, Sometimes I would flip cars, like with with Craigslist. This is back, you know, like 2000, you know, whatever, seven. That was huge. You know, everything was Craigslist. It wasn't Facebook Marketplace. I was, from time to time, I would see a good deal on something and I would just flip it, whether it was an appliance or a boat or whatever, a car. I would have an emergency, you know, C-section bill and be like, how do I pay for this? You know, and I felt like God kind of put some opportunities in my path to, you know, and I'm not like a, like a super mechanic or anything. I might just, you know, get the brakes changed and clean up a car and then resell it. That wasn't anything, you know, colossal, but I would find things and flip them. And I got to meet tons of people and I, I enjoyed it. I, I, when we were living in Durham Chapel Hill area, North Carolina, two college towns, I had to meet tons of people selling and buying things on, on Craigslist. Um, when we moved up here, it was kind of all hands on deck as far as hospitality, building out the infrastructure, uh, trying to establish our life and rhythms and relationships and to do evangelism and try to, to build out leadership for our church. Uh, I really was not able to do anything on the side for this first three years, three or four years in though, uh, I got in a car accident and I needed a second. Uh, well, I need, I got in a car accident. So I needed to, the car was totaled. It was an old beater, but I got a decent amount of money from the insurance and the lady that hit me. And so I said, well, I'll go buy a used car. Like I always do on Craigslist. Sure enough, found a, a beater civic and it only came with one key called the dealership, found out how much they were. I thought, man, there's a racket going on here. I mean, the the price of that part and the price of, you know, the, the margin is just insane. So I started to kind of research a little bit. Asked my wife, I said, hey, do you mind if we take our tax return? And I, I, I start a business making keys. I found a hardware store on the North Shore of Boston on Craigslist that was selling all their equipment and was closing. So I, I went up and I bought their equipment and I began to kind of research it and, um, yeah, I was like, I, I think I think I can learn how to do the basics of this, and uh, and then the electronics and the programming and the 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 stuff. I went to a couple of trade shows, talked to people who weren't in my area, just learned. 
and ask a lot of questions. Eventually started a business that was focused on automotive keys. I would do it out of the church office. <laughs> you know, it, there's a, there's a flexibility to my work, but I mean, obviously there's sometimes an urgency if I need to be somewhere in the evening or respond to people and be, you know, be ready. Obviously I'm not going to work on the Lord's day, but you know, but aside from that, I would do things out of the church office and I would just make keys. I made a lot of mistakes. You know, I didn't, I didn't make a whole lot of money the first three, two, probably two years. I just reinvested that money into the right machinery and inventory and trying to, you know, establish a base for it. Well, it eventually took off and mm. I really couldn't, I, in some ways I couldn't keep up with it. I got a mobile van. I, I got that outfitted. Again, this is just building relationships, talking to people, learning, asking questions, befriending people. One of the people I befriended was at a trade show um, who he was from middle uh, central mass. And, uh, you know, we're obviously down near the coast and I, you know, we hit it off. We started talking and uh, lo and behold, you know, I, I, he was a new believer. He just gotten married and baptized young, younger guy. I thought, well, you know, this is the kind of guy that, you know, if I were to partner with him, we could really make this go and work potentially. But he had said, no, I started to pray in earnest. And uh, like, as God, I either need to kill off and restructure this business or I need to hire somebody and expand. And uh, about that time, you know, I don't know, maybe a year later, this young man, uh, Paul, ironically, his last name's Troy, my first name. <laughs> and uh, he and his wife moved down. They're, they're, they're a huge blessing. And I've given him shares of, I've developed a corporation and developed shares of it. It's called South Shore Lock and Key. And uh, we primarily do automotive keys. We pick locks. We, you know, provide, you know, keys for dealerships and individuals. We have a AAA subcontract. And so, you know, when people are, you know, kind of stranded and um, have no keys and we we show up on site, we have mobile vans, we have, you know, different guys. Now it's expanded to where we have, you know, three technicians working full time and then I work part time. Man, that's amazing. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I didn't envision it growing this large, but but it, but it has. And I've been able to, you know, adapt and and hire folks and and see it, see it grow. And it's it's been a joy. I think the biggest thing that I would say, looking back, that I really appreciated about it is just opportunities for evangelism yeah, and relationships and regular relationships. I've got relationships with guys who were in the car business with mechanics and guys who own car dealerships and businessmen in the community that I, who own, you know, a fleet of whatever. And I interact with guys and, uh, and, and, and women, and we've been able to share the, uh, share the gospel and see people come to faith and be baptized and enfolded into our church. So. Yeah. I hear that from, a lot of people in that kind of work where they really don't see it as, oh, I have a ministry and then I have a business. They really see the business as an extension of their ministry. And like you said, it re- it leads to all these other touch points, relationships, and long-term relationships and opportunities to really invest in, in other people. We will return to the podcast momentarily. But first, a word from our sponsor. Being a Christian today can be hard. This is true if you live in a heavily persecuted country like Iran or areas where cultural pressures against Christians are growing fast, like America and Europe. Fortunately, none of us have to stand alone. We are part of a giant body, one huge spiritual family that spans the globe. That is the church. The Christian Emergency Alliance is committed to helping the church stand, regardless of the pressures to come. As a 501c3 nonprofit, the Christian Emergency Alliance strives to help our spiritual family when persecution hits. We also strengthen the church by supporting ministry that makes Christ famous, defends biblical truth, and prepares fellow believers for challenges ahead. You have the opportunity to make a huge impact in this work today. 
Become a monthly financial ally of the Christian Emergency Alliance by signing up at ChristianEmergency.com. Your support of $25 a month or a gift in any amount will bless those who need help in these darkening days. Help the church stand today, tomorrow, and in the days to come. Register today at www.christianemergency.com. And now, back to the show. Yeah, yeah. I think that you do need to ask the question, you know, what is it that motivates me to pursue something? We all know how our motives can and indeed will be mixed. You know, that which is not of faith is sin. The, the Bible tells us that clear as day in the book of Acts. We want to be operating out of excuse me, Romans. Paul says, "In that which in, that which is not of faith is sin." So, if we want to be operating in a way that glorifies God, we need to have you know matters of stewardship in, in mind. And for for people, you know, to to pursue something like this, it needs to be out of not love of money or fear of man. And that both those things can be operating. Like, I do I want to do I want to please these people or prove myself to somebody? Am I fearful about you know not having enough money and I think you have to be a little more open-handed about that. I know it's easy for me to say that on this side of things, but I have had to, to wait on the Lord and see him provide. And, you know, it's fun to pursue an idea, but it takes, uh, you know, it, it takes some, it does take some perseverance and patience with an open-handedness prayerfully to say, you know, God, how, how do you want to provide? Sometimes we get ahead of ourselves, right? We don't, we say, I'll let God provide, provide, but I want to go ahead and put this on the credit card. And Chris and I, my wife and I have just said, we don't want to do that. We can see how God provides sometimes before we get ahead of ourselves into debt. And I can point to specific times that we were getting antsy or anxious, or maybe we just wanted to make that purchase, that next, you know, fill in the blank. And we really needed to wait and, and let God provide. And there'd be times that, I mean, just simple things at a small level and a big level, like I, I would be running and I would have, you know, like my baby jogger, I'd be running with one of my kids or whatever in the neighborhood. And one day my baby jogger broke and uh, I'm not, I'm not the kind that like flips open my phone and, you know, buy something on Amazon uh, right away at this stage. You know, I don't think Amazon was even that hot at that point, but you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to go and say, well, we don't have it in the budget, but you know, I really wanted this baby jogger. I'll just go buy it. But I mean, literally there are just some times in like that day I was actually out running and God, like there was a literally at the end of someone's driveway, free baby jogger, like a hundred yards from within oh, my breaking, <laughs> you know? And I just think with the body of Christ and a prayerful community, there are times when either it's a, it's a physical need. It's a, you know, someone shows up and provides help with childcare or someone gives another person a job that too can be dicey. I understand that those, those are dynamics that sometimes are tricky to, to navigate, but just seeing God provide, like just waiting on the Lord and seeing what, you know, he, he might do. But there are times when you say, oh, no, but, but God's given me ideas, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to be creative here. You know, you think about the landscape of, of services and, and, and margins and of between, you know, products and goods and services and what skills do you have or what comes naturally? Are you a person who's good at accounting? You just never know what a side business helping someone do bookkeeping for their business. If you're particularly good with people, maybe you can do, you know, some, you know, maybe you could do some sales and marketing in a very, very small fashion that someone says, if you got a niche and you've got relationships, you know, there could be all kinds of avenues for side businesses and hustles. So, yeah. And I think sometimes there's Christians that are going to be listening to this and they're like, well, I don't feel like I have any skills. I don't even know where to start in something like this, a pursuit like this. But I bet if you really took a step back and 
inventoried what you can do. There's there's probably quite a bit in there. So for anybody that's maybe they're in their early twenties or something, and they're they're thinking through this. Um, would you have any other advice for them when they might be holding up their hands and being like, I, I really don't think I have that much to contribute or, or skills? Yeah. Well, well, I mean, I'm not trying again, I'm not trying to super spiritualize this. I, I do think that we, we need to be a prayerful people about what stewardship looks like. God, what do you want me to do with my time? It's not just in starting a business. Sometimes it's in preparing yourself to start a business. So what is a training that you could acquire? What is a what is a tool, literally a tool that you could go and purchase that you could rent out to other people? <laughs> you know, I mean, what is a what is a tool that you know not not you know like a machine, a, whatever a log splitter, let's say, or whatever. Like you can make money, you know, offering that to people for convenience and service. People pay incredible amounts of of money because they don't want to clean something. I mean, either upon selling it or upon just maintaining it. And there's whole segments of of places and people that uh, are 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 making money. That that being said, it doesn't have to be retail or service. It could be uh, something technologically based. If you were to get a particular training or if you had a particular you know skill set or, or interest, the the next step when you start to kind of conceive of an idea of something that either you've paid for or you've seen people purchase or pay for or do to generate uh, an income is to to then take that to people who are in small business and say, Hey, what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. Like, is, is this like, I make homemade salsa, you know, do you, do you, do you know people in this arena? If you don't take initiative, right? Like it doesn't matter your education. It doesn't matter your degrees. It doesn't matter what you own. It doesn't matter who you were related to. All of those things are the beginning of the seeds of what could be some leveraged opportunities and some business ventures. But again, even if you've taken the time to acquire relationships, education, tools, skills, uh, you have a big heart for it. You have dreams, you have visions of it, whatever. Again, all of that really doesn't mean anything until you take initiative. Mm -hmm. So until you take that first step of saying, I'm going to learn more, I'm going to ask people questions. I'm going to look dumb. I don't care. Like I'm going to have the humility to put myself out on a limb and and ask someone, hey, I remember a guy in our church, he one time talked about buying out another guy's business who did vinyl repair. Perfect gig, right? You could go into a restaurant. All, all these restaurants have booths and chairs and stuff that, and this guy happened to be a carpenter. He already had some basic skills with his hands. You know, he, he, he could more more readily work, a, a easily figure out in an apprenticeship, small, you know, you know, a gradual process of, of learning and acquiring things. So I, I don't know. I would just say, keep your radar on, pray, ask questions, build relationships. But all of that still means nothing until you take initiative to put your neck out there. Yeah. And I like how you describe all that. We have to have a semblance of humility. And no, we, we may not be masters of a trade right now, but we can take first steps and learn and talk to others. And there's a whole bunch of resources out there to help you learn and process. I, I, I also appreciate what you said about being willing to to not look like the, the sharpest knife in that drawer. I'm going to look dumb if I, I'm just going to take a step out here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to figure it out. I'm going to take baby steps. So much of what we're describing in my thinking resembles our journey of faith. If anybody came to faith later in life, late teenagers or as an adult, 
you you know what it's like to look dumb. You're like, I don't know the first thing about the Bible, and man, who do I talk to just to help me down this path? And it takes uh, small baby steps, small action steps that God rewards and strengthens you and encourages you, and and then it helps you be in a better position, help others who are just one or two steps behind you. So I see a lot of spiritual dynamics and parallels between what we're talking about. Yeah, and I, along those lines, if you're a new, let's say a new Christian comes along, and I love these kind of folks, right? The kind of folks that come into my church and to our small group, let's say Bible study, and they say, hey, is the book of Hebrews in the Old Testament or the New Testament? Come on, that's an honest question. I mean, yeah. it's Hebrews after all, you know, I mean, it, you know, but <laughs> I, I love that kind of question. And I love folks that are in that stage of their discovery. And they have the humility to just say, I'm going to ask a dumb question right now and put myself out there. If you're a new Christian and someone makes you feel even the slightest bit uncomfortable in a church context, because you ask, where's the book of Hebrews, Old or New Testament? You know, you're not in the right church, <laughs> you know, or at least that, you don't, that, that person is not going to be your friend. If you're a person who's trying to learn how to do business and, and seize opportunities and you're hanging out with someone who's got some entrepreneurial gifts or whatever, and, and they, they, you know, they, they kind of poo poo your ideas or make you feel dumb for asking this, the basic questions or whatever then just find the next person. Yeah. Just move on. Like there's, yeah. there are people, when you find someone who's like, I met a guy the other day in real estate. I was actually out doing the key and I found a guy in real estate. He was like, I'll help you. Yeah. You know, I, I had I had some questions. He's He was like chomping at the bit to talk about it and to teach me. He's a busy guy. I, I was just impressed by that. I, I Those are the kind of people that you want to, and those are different than the people who are selling products on YouTube. Okay. There's are, are are on your feed that are saying, this is your get rich quick scheme. Come, come step into this and we'll take you to the top overnight. You'll be making $20,000, you know, a year on the side, you know, they're, they're trying to get you into something potentially that's, you know, multi-layered and is feeding their stream or whatever. I'm talking about people who enjoy, who are in your local spheres or maybe not, but, but they're, they're folks that are not trying to sell you anything. Um, you can appreciate their investment in your time with their time and their advice by thanking them or, or you know, kick, kicking something in their direction. But mm-hmm. I'm, there's people that t- teach naturally are beautiful to be around. Absolutely. Uh, another term that you used a lot was stewardship, which I think is very, very important for us to really grapple with and, and think and ponder deeply on. Um, I think it's very important for us to use our resources prayerfully and thoughtfully uh, for the kingdom to meet the needs around us. But I also think that if we are tent-making Christians, if we are looking to be entrepreneurial or industrious, um, doing our very best work, there's also a lot of opportunities in all of this to really model that same stewardship mindset for younger generations. Have you seen that in your own work at your church? <clears throat> yeah, certainly have. Well, it's been great having a young guy, you know, like I said, who came on with our business and he and his wife are like an aunt and an uncle to my children. Uh, but my kids have seen it. You know, they've seen kind of the inner workings of what it means to, you know, p- apply time and energy to something that at times has great returns and times, you know, you work yourself to the bone and lose your shirt. You know, my kids have seen that. I've involved them, you know, I've involved them in the business, you know, in various ways all along, whether it's, you know, cleaning, resetting keys, putting new batteries in, riding along with me, assisting. They've seen me do, you know, my kids learn how to deposit checks <laughs> on the mobile app. That's fun for them, you know, whatever, you know. 
just getting to see, ask questions, learn. They understand, you know, different dynamics of that. Yeah, I I, I do want to see people take bold steps, mm-hmm. whether it's evangelism, whether it's starting a business, whether it's seeking reconciliation, whether it is, yeah, like re- reorienting your priorities, you know, like really not not in the name of fear, you know, but in the name of under the banner of the glory of God, the joy of others. And yeah, seeking out of love for other people to to do these things, not not in any pride or fear. And, I, you know, questioning yourselves all along that is an important thing. So, I, yeah, I, I don't know if I'm answering the question exactly, but those are some of the, the musings yeah. that come to mind. Just one of the things is with a side hustle or learning a, a trade or a business and going through and learning those skills that you didn't know and, and working alongside others, you know, your kids could be a part of that, like you described. And they're learning that too. They're learning that they can step into, they can stretch themselves and learn something new. They don't have the answer right now. Well, we can figure it out. And you mentioned how sometimes we can work hard and it it doesn't pan out exactly as we hoped. Maybe we lose our shirt or, you know, we don't actually earn a profit on that project. But what I've also learned, there's a saying, and I don't know who said it, but uh, you're either winning or you're learning. And that even then, even when you do mess up, you've learned from that and you can actually chalk it up as you've actually grown. So you're developing an abundance mindset rather than a scarcity mindset. Oh, and even when things go wrong, you realize, hey, that didn't actually, that wasn't the landmine I was afraid of. My feet are still intact. I didn't blow up. Did I, did I trip a little bit? Yeah, but I learned a lot. So I just think there's a lot for us internally to learn from those types of things spiritually and practically, but also for us to model to the young around us, to our kids, to our families, and to those around us and encourage them when they're going through the same. Yeah. It takes, it takes, you know, there, it takes a willingness to also face some, some level of rejection. And, you know, that's been true of evangelism as a church planter here, but also as a businessman. And then, you know, I, I tell people not every test is for failing. You know, sometimes God puts you through a test so he can bring you through and show you his faithfulness, his mm-hmm. power, his power made perfect in weakness, second Corinthians 12. So don't, don't avoid something because you're afraid of, of failure or rejection. Cause if you're doing it in the name of love by faith and not just out of greed or wanting to impress people, you know, I mean, I think there's a way to do things quietly, you know, that's good stewardship too. That's just good. You know, it is, you know, I don't know about you, but I, I, you know, when people tell me they're, they're on a diet, I don't really, I'm like, whatever, you know, fine. I don't, I mean, I would rather look at someone and say, wow, you've lost 40 pounds. Tell me what's going on. I mean, you've got, we've all had people in our life. They're always telling you on their on a diet. And half the time, I don't want to feel guilty about the fries that are in my plate. So, <laughs> you know, I, I would rather just see some of the, some of the results of that yeah. in a subtle, in a, in a subtle way. The people that are, are showy and, and verbal and stuff like that, sometimes th- those are not the ones that you want to seek out. It's right. the ones that are and it's maybe an older generation or whatever. Like, what did, what did you do to provide for your family? Yeah. How did you save money? How did you manage your money? How did you manage your time so that you could optimize making money without compromising the convictions of the Lord's Day, uh, your marriage vows, your you know your your the the vows that I took upon baptizing my children. Not everybody baptizes their children, but my children are part of this covenant. I I can't. I have to provide for them, but. Uh, what's more important than providing for them is pointing them to Christ. And they've seen me mess up. 
They've seen me, you know, lose my temper and they've seen me be be treated very poorly by customers. And and sometimes I've loved those people back in the power of the gospel. Yeah. Sometimes I've sometimes I've I've lost my my cool. Not with necessarily with the person, but later on they can right. see me having a, a sour, unchristian uh, you know, attitude and I have to apologize. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of teaching moments mixed into all of that, and I really appreciate your point about uh, rejection and learning how to to walk in rejection, which I think as Christians we benefit from developing a thicker skin sometimes. Um, if we're going to share the gospel, we're going to be rejected at times. If the culture continues on the trend lines that it's currently on, whether you're in Europe or parts of Africa, Asia, or the United States— if those trend lines continue, it's gonna. There's gonna be a lot more rejection and a lot more hostility, and we need to be able to absorb that lovingly. Uh, still love those who reject us, but be willing to be rejected to be faithful. So again, just great spiritual lessons to be extracted from this this concept of business, of being entrepreneurial, of perhaps tent making, having a side, just doing the best work that we can in a balanced fashion that glorifies Christ. Do you have any little, looking back over your experience, any little hacks of how to balance or steward your time and talents and keep it all even to do that efficiently? Any any tricks or tips on that front? Yeah, I, I can speak from victory. I can speak from defeat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think the biggest piece for me, I mean, I, obviously I live, I want my life to be lived in an accountable community. And uh, I'm forced into that. I'm a Presbyterian. You know, I have, I have elders. I have a whole Presbyterian that I'm accountable to. If they see things in my life that are out of step, that are out of line, that are, they're not the priorities that, or, or they can just see that I'm struggling, you know, just with time and stress. I need people around me to ask hard questions and to, to pray for me. Having a wife, you know, having a spouse for those who might be listening, having a spouse who, you know, that you have unity about the decisions that you make concerning, you know, the way you spend your time. And I know that's, that's challenging. I do marriage counseling with people all the time, you know, grappling with priorities in marriage uh, and finances and, uh, and time spent is one of them. But I think that for me, it's been having a godly, humble, frugal, honest uh, wife that I, I, you know, if you cannot take correction, if you cannot listen to feedback when people say, this is a problem or I see these things going on. I need, I need your help. I think also setting up structures that say it's okay to ask for help. Yeah. You know, it's, it's okay to say like, I can't do this business on my own. I need a partnership. Right. So for me, a big piece was the prayerfully seeing God provide a partner to help. And then, other, and then since then other, other, other teammates, other uh, employees for the, for the company, but I think having unity with my, my wife, I, I want to spend time with her. I want to spend time with my kids. Yeah. So I want to spend time with the Lord. Sometimes those do get out of order, but, you know, ha- having voices, having people that pray for me and and then asking for help. Yeah, that's good. Uh, well, Troy, your perspective is very valuable to us. And I, I know that there's going to be people listening to this that are going to be reflecting on what they've heard. Is there anything that you would like to share with our listeners that we, that I didn't queue up uh, related to this topic? No, that's a great question. I appreciate the opportunity to speak on these things. I certainly don't see myself as an expert. It's just something that in God's providence, I, you know, I've come into and yeah, I, I love to try to encourage people. So if folks want to reach out and have specific questions with the volume of 
accessibility to uh, ideas and technologies and technologies that you can use in so many places, it's really remarkable. If you ask the right questions to the right people and you're persistent, you know, I'm not saying I'm that person. I can help you maybe connect with other people that I I've, you know, come across over the years in some of, some of, you know, what I've done, I'd love to, I'd love to be a resource. People can easily, you know, contact me at Troy at grace southshore.org is our church website. So Troy at grace southshore.org. Be glad to, to try to talk and be a resource to help in any way. Well, we appreciate it. And I'll make sure that that goes into our show notes. Pastor Troy, we appreciate you sharing some of your time with us today. And God bless you and, and your business and your church. Thanks. Appreciate it. What a joy. Good, good to be you, with sir. you. Bye-bye. God bless. Thank you for joining us today for the Christian Emergency Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends about us and ask them to subscribe as well. To learn more about the Christian Emergency Alliance or financially invest in our ministry, visit us at www.christianemergency.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you again for listening and stand strong out there.